0: I am. But you don't know why I'm here. Hey, yo, it's me. It's me. It is Mr. Sensational Gino Vega coming to you with a very, very special episode 70 of the Mr. Sensational Geno Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network, a show where for give or take 30 minutes give or take once a week, we uh, plumb into the depths of my ordinary average life and attempt to mine and synthesize some of the content deep therein into takes, tales, and musings that you didn't ask for and certainly do not need. Uh, yes, I am Mr. Sensational Gino Vega. I am your host for this show um, talking about God knows what odds and ends from my ordinary average life presented to you here by way of the IC Robots Radio Network. If you would like to know more about the network, if you would like to keep abreast of all of our great content, simply search. I see robots radio on your preferred podcast platform hit like hit subscribe and the rest as they say is history do they say that I don't know that that was just uh, the first cliche line that came to mind in regards to the network um, our station boss IC robots has been cranking out the uh, excellent content and rapid rate as always you can always check out the uh Weekly, mostly weekly um, flagship show, the world's famous Icy Robot show, the most recent episode of which um, featured a breakdown of um, ISR's top five sandwiches of all the times, which we will uh, reference further in a moment here. Um, in addition to that show, this show, and Geek Fest Rants, which you can get all from the free podcast feed, wherever podcasts are purveyed. Um, you can also hop over to supportthereport.com. That is supportthereport.com, where for as little as a dollar a month, you become a show patron, and you can get access to all of the patron-only content that ISR has been pumping out. That includes... Uh, audio handbook of both the Marvel and DC universes um, at the movies where he talks about his ongoing movie-going hobby. Um, Most recently, we saw the introduction of The Derek Show. If you are familiar with the world's famous Icy Robot Show, you know about the ongoing radio drama that's been taking place over there, um, where Icy Robots has been trying to save um, the Santa Rosa municipal area, if not the entire world, from food cube zombies with the use of Tab Cola and aided by his uh, allies, his friends, Ed Bebout and Derek. Ed Bebout, former um, news anchor of uh, the venerable TV50 in Santa Rosa, California. And Derek is, well, Derek. And Derek now has his own show on the patrons-only feed of the IC Robots Radio Network. So please go check it out. I had the pleasure of just catching the first episode right before I got on the mic to record this very special episode, seventy of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast, and I was worried I would not be able to listen to the whole thing, but it turns out it's a very quick, brisk, easy listen, and I managed to get it all in right before I came on the air. Excellent stuff. Gérard Depardieu is a guest uh, on this first episode. The KRS-One and Tim Dog dropped by um, to do a musical number. Top-notch stuff. Go over to supportthereport.com, and you, too, can be basking in its glory. And finally, <clears throat> excuse me. As I mentioned, I would like to circle back for just a moment on to the most recent episode of the world's famous icy robot show, where um, the aforementioned uh, sandwich top five was tackled. Um, and I just wanted to bring it up because I, I uh, a few takeaways. This was an example of. Listening to an ISR top five where um, I'm really out of my depth. And I say that, the reason I bring it up is, um, uh, we'll get to why I'm out of my depth in the world of sandwiches. But uh, it's it's very interesting to get to listen to sometimes takes on something that you yourself are not directly involved in. You yourself don't have a direct stake in because it allows you um, to kind of get an insight into what other people think, what other people experience. I think a lot of times with top fives, people want to, or top tens, whatever, people want to argue and give their own opinions and blah, 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 blah. But it's just kind of nice sometimes to sit back and listen to one where you could not come up with one yourself and just kind of appreciate this is ISR's top five. It doesn't have to be mine. It doesn't have to be yours, but you learn about the person weaving together the top five by, by hearing their thoughts. And it's kind of easier sometimes I think, um, to, uh, accept that when you don't have the filter of your own vociferous opinions, as so many of us do. It was also interesting because I, I I learned in the, um, follow up on Twitter, there was quite a bit of conversation about that list. Um, that one of ISR's aims when he puts together those lists is to try to, um, focus on items that, um, a wider audience is familiar with. Um, like rather than picking out super obscure sandwiches, he picked, uh, categories that even someone out of my depth, like out of their depth on the subject, like myself, they they know what they are, which I, I thought that was an interesting point. Um, for top lists, that uh, you cast a wider net, you you allow for more inclusivity when you are using more kind of like um, archetypal figures on your list versus very specific, uh, more obscure ones. Um, not to say that there can't be um, interesting things in the world of obscurity, but I but I did I I appreciated that point. But let me let me just uh, jump to the, the, my own piggybacking. On the topic, as I want to do when it comes to our flagship content here on the network. Um, Strange thing about Mr. Sensational Gino Vega that I figure since I'm doing this show, I may as well throw out there. Uh, You may have picked up, if you've listened to previous episodes of the show, that I'm relatively open when it comes to the world of food. I run the gamut. I'm not scared off by a lot of things um, that I perceive to be kind of cliche things that people are afraid of. Your seafoods, your, uh, um, for whatever reason, vegetables if you're an engineer nerd. Um, things of that nature. Um But as I've mentioned before on the show, too, I run the gamut in the sense that I can appreciate in the whole wide world of food everything from, you know, McDonald's on one end of the spectrum to the snobbiest finery on the other. Not to say that I purposely seek out either of those extremes, but I'm comfortable in either pole. And I don't feel that that's always the case. I feel a lot of people are either... um, uh, populist when it comes to their food, suspicious of the of the fancy pants stuff, or snobs and suspicious of uh, the food of the people. But I can I can meld and 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 make my way to either extreme and throw all points in between. But but I like everyone do have my weaknesses and. One of the strange paradoxical things of Mr. Sensational Geno Vega's culinary life is that, um, while I'm perfectly comfortable eating things like, oh, chicken's feet, let's say, that are not generally, um, front and center, I guess it would be safe to assume in the, uh, American appetite, um, not not necessarily a favorite of mine, chicken's feet, but I I have and will eat it. Um, a dish you will often find at um, Chinese dim sum restaurants. Um, unwieldy, hard to eat, I find, but but not necessarily a bad food, but not not um, not not a favorite of mine either. Um, but while I have no problem trying or tasting something like a chicken's foot, I have an Achilles' heel when it comes to the very pedestrian, very beloved sandwich. And I don't know why. It, it's it's a holdover from childhood. Um, I was kind of a picky eater when I was a kid. The, the joke about me was that like I would eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and I would eat Fried calamari, and then I wouldn't eat anything else. I was just, I was weird in my pickiness. I would eat very normal stuff, and I'd eat. Nowadays, fried calamari is pretty pedestrian, but it wasn't. It wasn't growing on trees the way it does now. Um, in the seventies, um, but so yeah, I had very. I was a picky eater, but it wasn't like it was only plain or normal stuff. It was like some plain or normal stuff, some weird stuff, and then some weird stuff I wouldn't eat. Some plain normal stuff I wouldn't eat. Picky eater as a child. But I remember as a child how visceral that feeling was. It wasn't like I was just trying to be a jerk or spoiled or something. It just as a kid, I think it probably has to do with some kind of like, you know, something that's going on with your development, your your body and mind as it grows. Certain textures, certain sounds, certain smells, certain sights, and all of this stuff can pertain to food were just off-putting in a way that was beyond my control. It, it it was larger than me. It was just like, you know, it wasn't like I don't feel like eating that. It was like if I attempted to eat that, I would literally regurgitate right now. I cannot handle something about this substance. And sandwiches outside of the aforementioned peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which I was always cool with. Um, and maybe grilled cheese. Other than that, sandwiches, uh, for the most part, as a certain kind, we'll get to here in a second, um, triggered that just next level off-putting button in me when I was young. And I remember that feeling so vividly that years later, when I had kids of my own, um, I always was very empathetic to weird kid food stuff. I know there's like the, the old tiny, um, the old tiny, uh, mode where you get your monocle on and your top hat and, um, you're supposed to get, uh, very agitated about, um, children not wanting to eat whatever. Um... And that kind of adult stuff is always funny to me because it's like, you bring me the adult that will eat anything, whatever, and then we can listen to their thoughts and takes on forcing kids to eat anything, whatever. But I don't think that there's many people like that. So maybe rather than try to um, break the child, uh, than try to um, impose your will on the child for whatever reason maybe because you can't do that to, to the other adults in your life, give the kid a break. They're, they're, they're probably not trying to be impossible. They probably are 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 actually feeling revulsed by these things that for, for, for whatever reason are driving them to the brink of madness. Um, so I've always been pretty chill with my kids about their eating, and one will eat anything. She just came out the gate like that. The other one is a weirdo like I was, But much like me, you know, it's begun to fade as the years pass because that's always what happens with this stuff. It fades. People grow up. They change. Their palate changes. Their body changes. Their their brain develops. Um, It's all going to be okay. Um, We don't necessarily need to go directly to these olden time um, will wars that that people want to have with the youth. Um, But uh, that being said... Sandwiches for me as a very old person now, it's like the slowest development of all these things. As I started to eat this thing that I used to not eat, and that thing that I used to not eat, and this one, and that one, and the third, and the fourth, and the fifth, and sixth, seventh, eight, nine, ten. It was like Honda out there, just like slapping down all the things that I'll eat now that I used to not eat. I keep the sandwich at not even an eHonda arm's length. A dull seam arm's length. And not all sandwiches, again, you know, I've softened over the years. But for whatever reason, this very ordinary pedestrian food that is a, a flagstone of the American diet, I have issues with. Um, I think, you know, I was listening to um ISR's episode, and I, I think what it is, because again, have always eaten peanut butter and jelly, have always eaten grilled cheese. Um, I grew to where I will eat, um, like a meatball sandwich, you know, like the typical like marinara sauce, meatball. I'll eat those till the cows come home. I'll eat Philly cheese steaks. I had one of those for the first time actually in Philadelphia. And then when, um, Ms. S and I used to live in San Jose, there was a place called Amato's that made them exactly as they are made in the city of Philadelphia. So we used to get them there. There's no more like that around here, so I don't eat them anymore. But I, I would still eat those. Um, I eat Vietnamese banh mi sandwiches. Um, I think what the issue is, those all have... I don't know how you would describe it. It's like the ones that I cannot wrap my head around, that I cannot get to. I don't like the sandwiches. And this is where my own inner engineered nerd comes out. With like a ton of vegetation in them. Like you'll see these ads on TV for like Subway sandwiches. And I know Subway's not the, the standard beer sandwiches. But I'm just saying like the visual representations of a sandwich that they're showing are not unlike what you can find at better places. I know um, shout out to ISR had mentioned the mealiness of Subway bread. I believe Subway got in legal trouble some years ago because the substance that they use is not actually bread. It's got like plastics in it or something like edible plastics. I don't know. Weird stuff. But uh, where were we? Um, Oh, yeah, those vegetal sandwiches, so these see a vegetal sandwich with like all kinds of like chopped up olives and like red onions and blah, 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 all the stuff it's like, that's it's too much I don't understand another um strange food stuff, but we maybe we'll talk about it if there's time today, but maybe it's a story for another day I, I i'm I'm squirrely about salads too, and I eat a ton of vegetables. It's something about them being mixed together. Even fruit salads. I eat fruit all the time, but fruit salad creeps me out. I don't know. Again, vestiges of my reptilian childhood brain. Um, I do have some of them still. Uh, but I don't like the real vegetal-looking sandwiches. Um, I don't—I'm I, I, triggered by and cannot abide by— And again, when, I, when I'm saying this, it's not at all— I, I totally respect people that—, that uh, Love this stuff, and like, like I said, I, I enjoyed hearing a perspective of someone who can appreciate this stuff, breaking it down from the vantage point of someone that that doesn't understand it and, and cannot access it as easily. Um, these um, uh, American like tuna sandwiches. I don't. It's very strange because I have been known to eat quite a bit of sushi, and a lot of that is tuna based. And it's not even, that's the kind of tuna that you're supposed to be afraid of. Like, oh, it's raw. Um, I'll eat that till the cows come home. I'll eat all kinds of tuna. I'll eat tuna belly. I'll eat negi toro, which is where they have like the bits of of fatty tuna belly that can't be used in the more um, nigiri looking sushi that kind of like, it's like all mushed up and you eat that. You know, on rice and with seaweed around it. i eat all that. But when it comes to that, like, American-style tuna, that to me, is like, I might be remembering it wrong, but I remember seeing other kids eating it when I was a kid that was, like, kind of whitish-grayish looking with, like, mayonnaise and stuff glooped into it. Just, cr- I, I can't. I can't do it. And I, I, you know, more power to you if you can. I know a lot of, my, my wife thinks I'm crazy for, for this, but it just, it's it's something about it. I just can't, I can't do it. Um... So there's that style, and then there's also um, the style of sandwiches that use, I guess, what you would call cold cold cuts, where it's like a folded up piece. It's like turkey sandwiches. Like I have to make them for my my youngest daughter who likes them, and I'm having to like hold it from like two doll Sims arms length as I'm making it, putting it together for her. But um, like turkey sandwiches, um, anything with that full, those folded up pieces of meat that to me look all like okay. Like person's flesh or something and that mixed with bread i I don't know i I can't i I just can't and how is that any different than eating a sandwich with like a meatball with like marinara sauce on it but for some reason that's okay the folded up cold cut that's a bridge too far i don't know it's my own weakness i i'm 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 exposing myself to you explaining my weakness um but kind of in hopes that uh, that we can use this as a teachable moment to um Appreciate that we all have our own weaknesses and kind of uh, give people space for that. Like you know, sometimes I've been quick to uh, to to clown friend of the show, friend of the network, e nerd for his squeamishness about oh, avocados, tofu, um, what else? Any any vegetable known to man is that right? Or does it, does it, does he claim some vegetables? I can't remember. Fun to razz him, fun to give him a hard time. But yeah, you know, what? I. I, I we all have our things, man. We all have our hangups. Fun to uh, Raz Teen Wundle um, for not liking any professional wrestler that is over the height of five foot four and doesn't spend all their time in the ring um, doing cartwheels. But we all have our things. We all have our hangups. And so, and so long as these hangups are not damaging someone else or not infringing on someone else's ability to have their own hangups. There's no need to be combative, no need to, 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 to fight about it. Can't we all just get along? Yelly, everybody love everybody. So, so, so by looking, by being confronted with my own shortcomings, my own uh, inabilities to get over that uh, palate hurdle of accepting the very normal sandwich that everyone else is able to accept, by, by, by realizing that about myself, I'm hopefully giving space to others uh, where I can see that same thing in them and, and not try to control them. In the same way that I don't want to be controlled. I don't want to be forced to eat some weird tuna sandwich. I won't try to force you to... Um, wundle, for instance, to watch a six-foot-tall wrestler perform. Or uh, I won't make nerd a plate of uh, tofu and sprouts. Although that sounds gross anyway. Uh, even from my vantage point. Let's see. I kind of... Um, uh messed myself up today cuz i keep saying i'm going to i'm going to do this episode talking about um, this job i had working at crown discount booksellers but it's the kind of thing where in order to do it justice i would kind of have to ta- start talking about it the second i hit record and have that be all i talk about for the whole episode and we're like 23 minutes in bro talking about this sandwich riff that i didn't even intend to go on but it was just it was fresh in my mind Um, because I just listened to um, ISR's episode about it yesterday, and I had been thinking about it ever since. Oh, one thing I wanted to throw out there. Um, ISR mentioned um, Dave's Killer Bread. And um, so I, too, um, I don't partake exclusively in Dave's Killer Bread. Um, I actually eat a lot of uh, sourdough bread, which probably isn't as healthful, but I don't. I don't really do any dietary limitations or restrictions other than trying to, you know, keep things somewhat in, um, all things in moderation, including moderation, you know, but, uh, but when I, I don't always eat wheat bread, but when I do, I usually buy Dave's killer bread. But so, so Dave's killer bread is interesting because, um, Dave's killer bread was founded by this total carny con man, Dave, Dave Dahl. I think his name is D a H L total carny um he was this guy who'd just been in and out of prison for years for like drug offenses weapons charges blah 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 then finally at one point got out and got his life together and joined the family business and and helped tune up the bread they were baking and turned it in this big well-marketed mass distributed dave's killer bread it, it's great bread um you know i i, I second uh isr's endorsement um and part of their gimmick, because Dave had this checkered past, is you know they're, they're an outfit that hires a lot of people that other places won't hire, like people with you know prison records and whatnot, um, to give them a second chance, which is great because it's like we all you know everyone's all up in arms and hates criminals and wants them to go to jail, but you know unless you want to really spend you know the vast majority of our nation's resources housing people in prison for life these people are going to come out eventually and it's very easy to hate on them and and wish them ill but i mean at some point you know you're going to want some of these people to reintegrate into society i would think i mean i would apparently that's not uh, (laughs) a not necessarily the 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 common view but in, in any case you know so i understand what they're doing um but uh dave himself I remember a while back I read had had some kind of meltdown. You know, this is years after he'd been the the Days Bread CEO guy. It was no longer the, the convict guy. But he had some kind of psychotic break and like punched. There, there was like a cardboard cutout of himself in the headquarters and he punched the head off. And then he went and like got into some kind of altercation with the police. Like, you know, attacked police officers or rammed a police car or something. And I can't remember if he had to go back to prison or what happened, but the dust kind of cleared eventually. And I I think a lot of it was ascribed to, like, mental health issues. Um, But in any case, I I remember hearing about that. So I was kind of surprised a few years later to realize Dave had gone full mutant. Dave is like, you know... um, the you know, the, the 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 mainstream media is all trying to keep us down and we have to get all of our information from, what is that, like OANN or whatever, and Mr. Trump is God and blah, 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 January 6th, we're patriots. Da, 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 da. So Dave has gone f- fully around the twist on that, which is always funny to me because I, I, I thought, I thought those people were the law and order people. And here he's out here ramming cops and, you know, this, that, and the third. but So I guess it applies to—they they, they like to see cops, you know, um, arrest other people maybe, but not them. I don't know. Very strange. So anyway, I was worried. Dave had reached such a level of mutation that I was worried I would have to divest myself from Dave's killer bread. But, but—because oh, I, I, I am a proponent of cancel culture. I will cancel you as soon as you look look at you. No, that's not true at all. But I did feel kind of weird. Like, do I really want to be buying bread from a freaking mutant? In this level of mutant too, I'm not saying he's just kind of like I disagree with him on certain things. I mean, once you're like full born like pro, you know, capital rioting. I don't care for I don't care what the ideology behind it is. You know, we're we're done. You know, you're done, as they say. But um, uh, in in fact, uh, Dave has nothing to do with Dave's Killer Bread anymore. It was sold to some other uh, company, and he walked off with some nice proceeds into the sunset to continue to work on his full mutation. So we're all good in the hood with Dave's Killer Bread, unless you want to support mutants, in which case you're not necessarily. Maybe the new owners are mutants, I have no idea, but I I, I, I was nice that there's now a doll seems arm's worth of uh, length of distance between the product and the person. Um, and you know, every company's horrible and sports crappy things so I probably would have kept buying it anyway I, I'm not right I was joking yeah please so often you know I, I will say things. I, I I have kind of a, I don't know if it's a dry sense of humor I don't know if that's the right way to put it but you, you know I will oftentimes my humor is oftentimes to make a statement as if I believe in it but I do not believe in it but many people are very literal so I fear that sometimes people think I'm being totally serious when I'm usually not particularly when I'm doing the show um, unless I'm being serious and then how would you know but, uh, no, I don't know. I'd probably still, I, you know, I eat at Chick-fil-A. I uh, do all the things you're not supposed to do. Um, but it was kind of nice to know that he's not directly involved in, in the bread anymore. Um, so I was worried about what I was going to talk about for the rest of the episode. That killed a few more minutes riffing on. We are going to end things today. We are going to end things today with a quick farewell a shout out. I, we already gave a little shout out for those in the know at the beginning of this episode, but I'm going to give an explicit shout out now to the now late, but always great. The bad guy himself, Scott Hall. You may have known him as razor Ramon. I knew him. Well, I knew him as both, but I, I was thinking of Scott Hall cause I was a WCW guy. Um, and so of course I watched him as razor Ramon. but I, my, my love for him grew as Scott Hall. Um, one of the greatest in my era of wrestling fandom. Um, one of those wrestlers—it's uh, like him and Bret Hart, probably a few others. But those two are the highest in my mind, where I really got to watch. I know you, gamer nerds out there, rules lawyers can nitpick because it's like, yeah, I wasn't watching, wasn't watching Scott Hall and AWA. I wasn't watching Bret Hart and Stampede. But when it comes to like when their careers began in, in the major leagues of professional wrestling to when, where, where they ended, I pretty much saw every single moment in real time. Um, Brett, I started watching as one half of the Hart Foundation in WWF, and I watched him all the way through the end in WCW. Um, Razor Ramon, Scott Hall, I vividly remember watching the very first Razor Ramon promo It was back in the the day when the WWF style, I guess this was like late 80s, was um, before a new wrestler would debut, you'd start seeing these short vignettes about them. And so they started showing vignettes about this guy, Razor Ramon, who's kind of this Scarface character, high rolling in Miami. And he was this Cuban guy with the the greasy hair and a toothpick and stubble. And he was going to be coming soon. And then eventually he did. Um, And then he did his thing. Became Intercontinental Champion, which was always my favorite belt, my favorite scene, the Intercontinental Championship scene. (coughs) Excuse me. When it came to the 80s WWF. Then when uh, WCW blew up, um, a lot of that was due to Scott Hall and his tag team partner Kevin Nash's participation moving over from WWF to WCW, um, and I don't want to bore everyone with details because this isn't a wrestling show and I, 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 everyone, I, I don't know. I don't think anyone cares that all that much. But um, I just wanted to shout out that, that the bad guy, Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, a huge, huge building block, a huge component of the Gino Vega character, the Gino Vega aesthetic, the Gino Vega worldview, the Gino Vega imaginal landscape. And I say all this stuff because who cares about Gino Vega? But I'm just saying, as a per, there, to me, there's no fate Worse, Death is not worse because we all die. The the, the worst fate in human life is to be a person with the means and ability to have a strong, idiosyncratic, aesthetic sense and to not do so. Um, And I say this um, presuming that anyone listening to the show falls into the camp of someone that has a strong... Idiosyncratic aesthetic worldview because otherwise you wouldn't be listening to some esoteric podcast like this on a network like the IC Robots Radio Network. But um, I just mean, like, to be you know, these folks you meet and they got nothing, nothing to talk about except for like their job. And I don't know, their job. <laughs> Maybe some like super pedestrian, boring other stuff, but just say it's like I'm not saying like you gotta be into some wild and crazy thing no one else knows about, but just like uh, it can even be something as basic, like you know, you meet someone and they're able to passionately talk about, you know, their baseball team that they like or their this, that, or this. They're just str- feeling strongly attached to things that you connect with. That represent you, that you have feelings about, that you have passions about, that you have emotions about, that you can share with other people. I feel like for those of us who are are blessed enough, hashtag blessed, to be in a position where we have the free time, we have the means, we have the ability to pursue interests, to pursue hobbies, to to let uh, our inner self... uh, attach itself to these other things that, that speak to us and to share these things with other people and to, to receive from other people their interests, to get get hyped hearing about what someone else is hyped about, just to to not take advantage of that when you can, to not have that be a part of your life. To me, that's just, that, that that's a great sadness. I would rather, I would rather be a schmo like myself living a totally ordinary, average, um, unremarkable, unremembered life than to be some You know, high-powered person that has no inner life. That's just me. That's how that's how I see it. So that's what when I tell you that Scott Hall was a huge building block in my own inner life. um, That's why I'm telling you this because uh, this life of the mind, this life of the imagination that I try to share with you on this show and that I look for in other people to hear from about theirs. um, When you have this kind of imaginal landscape. There's definitely there's always icons in it. There's always moments, figures. Um, I don't necessarily mean action figures, but they could be action figures, but I mean like individuals, people, images of people, um, works of art, uh, so on and so forth that, that are keystones that are flagstones that help build up the way you see the world, the the creative lens through which you see the world. And um Scott Hall's right there on that Mount Rushmore for me. I don't know what it was. There was something about that guy just just the coolness that he exuded, the devil may care attitude, the 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 way he changed the game, the way you know all of so many. Uh, you know, I, I would certainly know dopes when I was a kid that liked the good guys like Hulk Hogan, but most of us knew that the bad guys were where it was at. And Scott Hall was the first one to make that transition where. The bad guy was the babyface. The heel was the babyface. We were there to root for the 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 cool heel, and not the boring babyface. And I know, you know, some people he actually gets criticism for, from some of that because oh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash by being cool heels messed up the dynamic of rooting for good guys and booing bad guys. But that's so passe. That's so carny. 19th century wrestling. Wrestling now, you know, we all know it's fake. We all know it's a work. So you do want to latch on to people that you think are cool, that you think are, are are real, authentic. And Scott Hall was that. He was a real OG, not a fake thing about that guy in the way he presented himself. Um, something that's really missing from wrestling today, which, you know, everything is so artificial in wrestling now. And when I was young and I and I was really into wrestling, The whole the whole deal with it was... We know it's fake, but it's this, this artifice, it's this performance, but you look for the guys in the fake performance that are real. And Scott Hall was the realist. So bad guy, this one's for you. Very special episode 70. We'll see you on the other side. Uh, thanks for being here. And until next time, it's me, it's me. It's Mr. Sensational Gino V signing off. Ayo. Hey, The bad boys are wrestling Testing competition win the war, that's their mission Not no mercy, see the race like the street If you don't know, you better find out the pack Here to back. It'll prove a point, number one, believe That you don't wanna tussle with them I'll be the all of them, coming to ring with them You're never walking out again So you turn your back on the pack. Back. So not turn your back on the wolf pack. You might wind up in a body bag. Took your chances. Now it's time to show you were wrong. In the rain, this is war. Cool. All you sucks the strong. Day in, day out, the wolf pack for life. Tell me who has the guts to come in the rain tonight? Who care about the